We're going to be back in Mark chapter 5. You know, we left off last week with uh, the Lord had delivered uh, the demoniac of Gadara, whose name was Legion. He had been delivered from all of his demons. And uh, sitting there clothed and in his right mind. And if you'll recall, the, the people of that area, those that were tending to the hogs and doing all those things, they, they were amazed at what Jesus has done, but at the same time, they seemed to have a little more concern for the hogs than they did for anything else. And uh, some of the saddest words I've ever heard, they asked Jesus to depart from their company, and that's, to me, I, something I don't understand. Why would you want the Lord of glory to leave you to yourself? And certainly, why would you rather have swine than Jesus? But there we are, and, and the man wanted to go with the Lord, and what did the Lord tell him? He said, first of all, you need to go back, and you need to tell your family and your friends everything that the Lord has done for you. That is our, always our first objective when once we're born again, we're not ready to go off as foreign missionaries yet. We need to go home and tell our loved ones what God has done for us because our loved ones are the hardest ones to minister to, aren't they? They know us. <laughs> they know all about us, and therefore it's hard. But that's why it's so important that we live out the life that Christ has for us. That's the proof that God is transforming our lives in the way that we're turned around. We're new creatures. We're no longer that old person. And we show them that by our walk with the Lord. So that's where we left off. We're going to pick up in verse 21 and we're going to excuse me, be addressing another subject and, and that is death. Sickness and death. I mean... Those things come to all of us at some point. Even, even the healthiest among us will one day face failing health and we will stare death in the face. We're always staring death in the face. We were born dying. That, that's, a, that's a morbid thought in a way, but it's just a true statement. The moment we were born... There is an appointed time for our death when we're going to go and meet the Lord and stand before Him and give an account of our lives. And there, it's kind of like, uh, you know those TV shows? Those mystery sh TV shows and those, all those CI shows out there, you know? They have, they have a main plot, but they also have little subplots, you know, it's... It's kind of like uh, uh, soap operas. You know what I'm talking about? There's, there's 101 little subplots going on. My mother-in-law used to watch those things. I think they're of the devil. If you watch them, please don't. But all these television shows, these series that have these plots, and kind of you can tell because they've got to get it fixed before the end of the show, right? You're watching your clock and you're watching your watch and... Somehow they're going to pull it off. I know they are like gun smoke. You always know Matt Dillon's going to win in the end, man. But it gets real hairy sometimes in between. Well, 
we've got two people here that are dealing with death or definitely an illness. And so we're going to see what this, what the Lord has to teach us this morning in Mark 5, picking up there at verse 21, and we'll read through the end of the chapter. It says, And when Jesus was passed over again by ship into the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death, I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about him in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he came in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado, and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, and them that were with him, and entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand, and said unto her, Talitha kumi, which is, being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, Arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given her to eat. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for this beautiful day that you've given us. God, uh, may our hearts be in tune with what you have to say to us through your word by the Holy Spirit, that God, our hearts would be illuminated, that 
the darkness would recede and that we would see Jesus this morning, high and lifted up. God, that you might be glorified and magnified in your church. Thank you for your word again, Lord. We praise you. Do as you will in the name of Jesus. Amen. Very simple lessons here, but I think lessons that we all need to be reminded of this morning. And the first thing that I want to remind you of in this passage of Scripture that I see, death is always lurking nearby. Death is always something that we are going to have to deal with. And you know, we're procrastinators by nature, many of us. Some worse than others. My, my mother is a professional procrastinator. If she doesn't want to do it, she ignores it. She has the unique ability of just living life as if some things don't exist. I'm like, Mama, you have got to tend to this. We all do it to some level, to some degree. There, there's always certain things in our life that we don't like to address. Maybe a little different for me than you, but I know you've got an issue that you never really want to face and you'll put it off as long as you can. I'm the same way. And death is one of those things that for the majority of us, you know, we're, we're just not really wanting to deal with. I, I wish I could say like Paul, you know, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain and that no matter what they did to him, they couldn't break him down. They couldn't make him fearful. They couldn't back him up. He had the same joy whether he was in chains or whether he was in the king's court. He was content. He had learned to be content in all circumstances. You could strip him of everything that this world affords. He was still joyful. He was still looking forward to that day when he was going to be in the presence of Christ. He said, it's better for me personally if I, when I go to be with the Lord. But he said, but for your sakes, I guess the Lord is leaving me here for a little while. He was kind of sad about that, I think. But most of us, the biggest majority of us, live our lives as if we want to hold on to down here as long as we possibly can. Everybody wants to go to, you know the old song, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. And it is very true. But we have two people here. One, a mature woman. We don't know how old she was. We don't know a whole lot about her, but we do know she had been suffering for several years now, 12 years to be exact. Then we have a young girl, 12 years old. I find that interesting. I don't think that's an accident. And I don't know what her condition was. I don't know if this was a, a chronic thing since her birth, since she was a young child. I don't, I don't know anything about it, but she was sick. And her dad says she's at the point of death. Now, picture yourself with your child. They're 12 years old. To anyone who has lost a child in death, is that not the most foreign, awful thought that you could ever have to outlive your child? It's just not the natural order of things. So this man, of, of course, he's greatly concerned and he knows Jesus is in town. Everywhere Jesus went, he went from one side of the sea to the other side and every time his feet touched ground, 
there was a crowd around him. There's a reason for that, folks. People are attracted to life and not death. Amen. Jesus never officiated a funeral service. Nobody died in His presence. If they did, He raised them back to life. Hallelujah. Thank God for eternal life that's in Jesus Christ and Him alone. One thought about death. A healthy life, a healthy long life is not guaranteed anyone. You know, when I was a young man, I had that 10 feet tall and bulletproof syndrome. I thought I was indestructible. You could shoot me out of a cannon and I'd brush it off and keep on going about my business. I, I, I thought I was untouchable. I thought I was too tough to die. And the Lord slowly but surely through the years, you get a little bent. You get chest of drawers disease as you get older. I, I'll explain that later among the men. These ladies don't need to know that. You have to plan bathroom breaks when you're traveling on the highway. You have to know where all the bathrooms stop. We're, we're not that bulletproof, are we? Our bodies are born corrupt. Sin corrupted us. We inherited a sin nature that destroyed... Ultimately, this body is going to die and go away. And long life... And healthy life is not guaranteed just because you're young. We've got a young woman here, 12 years of age, that's at the point of death. This is serious, whatever it is. We've got a lady that's been dealing with an issue for 12 years. So, we don't know. And another thing about death, our departure is imminent. I'm, that's a morbid thought, I know. But it is true. And I think, I think if we took it and allowed the Lord to transform our thinking about it from being paranoid about it to realizing what a precious gift our life down here is and that our lives are meant to be lived with purpose, our lives are meant to be enjoyed, our lives are meant to be in fellowship with Him and with man and to do good as long as we live. Whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, instead of making us morbid about the day of our death, it would make us long to live our lives fully. You know that country song, uh, what's his name? Tim McGraw had out about riding the bull and all that stuff. You know, I had a buddy that found out he was going to die. Go skydiving, Rocky Mountain climbing, riding a bull, and all these things. There's a, little, there's a little truth in that. I'm not saying go ride a bull. Unless you want to. If you do, God bless you in that. I myself will not. But I do like hiking in the mountains. I do like seeing new country. I've been in the mountains of Mongolia where few men have trod. I've been all over this planet, and God is amazing. His creation is amazing. And if you don't live your life to the fullest, that's not God's fault, that's yours. Because God created you not to live your life in fear. God created you to live your life to the fullest with purpose and to realize and know that the day of your departure is not in your hands. It's not in your hands, it's in His hand. So you better treat it for what it is. It is a precious gift.
that's been given to you. Use it to the fullest. Our departure is imminent. Death is inescapable. Not going to get around it. Can't put it off. But there's nothing to fear when Jesus is near. So that's just a few thoughts about death always lurking in the shadows. This, this young girl, I'm sure before she had her illness, death probably never entered her mind. But can you imagine her feelings now? And what about this woman? Don't you imagine she had gotten to the state of hopelessness until Jesus came around? The Bible says that she had spent everything on doctors, physicians, couldn't do anything. And in fact, it says she was not any better and rather grew worse. That could be applicable to today's situation as well, amen? Ultimately, all healing comes from God, right? If the doctor takes credit for it, he's wrong. He may be very good at what he does, but he is practicing. The great physician is not practicing. And that's what we're going to take a look at next, or a little bit later. My second thought in this study is Jesus is always nearby. I love it that he, after he gets through over on the other side of the sea, on the eastern side over there, where remember the two and a half tribes that didn't have any business settling there yet? They were over there. They were feeding swine. They were doing all these things. Then he comes back over. And now Mark's gospel doesn't tell us this, but the uh, Luke and Matthew tell us he came back to his adopted city where he, was, where he was staying for most of his ministry life. He was there. So they already knew him. They already knew what he was capable of. And the Bible says that as soon as he, soon as he got to the other side and his feet touched ground, there were much people gathered around him already and they were, they were thronging him. But it says in verse 25 that there was a certain woman. Doesn't name her. We don't, we don't have her name. But it does tell us there was a certain woman. When she heard Jesus came in the press and touched his garment. Now, I want to say this. Jesus is always near because we can't go anywhere to get away from him, right? Right? But does that mean that I'm always in the manifested presence of Jesus? Not necessarily. When, when I'm doing things my way, when I'm off out there being a rebellious child, when I'm off being a disobedient child, He's always near, but the manifestation of His presence is not there. See, He was surrounded by a crowd of people, but one specific, certain woman touched his garment, and she was healed. How many people in that crowd that day left with their issue? Whatever it was, they were there. Jesus was nearby, but yet they left with their problem. They may have even bumped shoulders with him in the crowd. They may have even walked in his shadow. They may have been two footsteps behind. I don't know, but this woman, I do know, this certain specific woman 
came with a problem and she said, I've got to touch him. I've got to get through to him. So this is what I'm saying. Everyone is appointed to encounter Jesus. Everyone has an appointment to encounter. The Lord wants to save everyone. Do you, I read that in a book somewhere, that God wants to save everybody, right? But is everybody going to be saved? Sadly, no. Hell will be filled with people who reject the love of God. Not because God sent them there, but because they chose by their own choosing to remain in their sin and go to that place of separation. But Jesus was nearby. Did Jesus not pass their way? He certainly did. He passed my way many times before at the age of 22. I said yes. But I'm so glad that that day, in January of 1990, as a young man, I said yes. And I touched the hem of His garment, and He made me whole, and He has made me glad. I'll never be the same because I touched the hem of His garment. Now, He had been nearby many times, but I let Him pass on by how many in the church even? How many in the church are in the presence of the Lord and leave with their issue? They go out that back door. They're unaffected. They're unchanged. They're unhappy. They're unfulfilled. They're still broken and messed up inside when the King of glory wants to make them whole by faith. So Jesus is always nearby. You have an appointment with Him, but that doesn't necessitate that you leave with the healing you desire. You've got to take it one step further. You see, Jesus presented Himself publicly. There was a crowd there. There were people thronging Him. It says in the other Gospel accounts, uh, Lord, you're asking who touched you? Man, there's people all around. They're pressing in on you. We can't hardly breathe. There's so many people around us. And you want to know who touched you? One person touched Him believing by faith. And the Bible says power went forth from him. Virtue went forth from him. So we don't need to encounter him publicly. We need to encounter him personally. It doesn't matter how many millions are thronging around him. You've got to touch Jesus for yourself by faith. And this thing, this thought entered my brain. Jesus' presence transcends time. He's everywhere, every moment of all of eternity. Doesn't that comfort you? I don't understand that. I can't, the science on that blows this little feeble brain, right? That Jesus not only dwells in this moment, He also dwells in the future, and He also dwells in eternity past because He is not bound by time like you and I are. He lives in the eternal now. He's just as alive two million years ago as He is right now, and He's just alive in eternity future. As he, You can't get away from Him. Amen. You can go anywhere you want to go. You can get Scotty to beam you up on Star Trek. Take your journey. Can't get away from Him. 
He's there to meet you wherever you are. Why not just grab on to him? Another thought I had is, and this just goes right along with it, Jesus' power is undeniable. It's undeniable. He heals completely. Do you notice what he said about it? He said, virtue, in verse 30, virtue had gone out of him. That word, the Greek word is dunamis, which where we get, it's the, the Greek root of the word that we get our word dynamite from. In other words, this is power. Not power to destroy, but power to heal, amen? To heal a broken heart, to heal a broken suffering body, to heal not, not just for a little while, Till you're 90, you're, you got guaranteed life until you're 90 and then all bets are off, amen? No, when Jesus heals, maybe this body's going to die, but I'm going to live forever. And I'm guaranteed a new body that will never die, never grow old, never have a bald head again, amen? Never get sick. One of these days, we're going to be in the presence of the Lord and COVID-19 won't exist. Thank God for that. I'm so sick of talking about it, not because it's not something that is, you know, that we just need to laugh at and mock at, and not that, but because Jesus is greater than COVID. We need to stop talking about our greatest fears and we need to start exalting the King of Glory, the great physician. I'm tired of talking about a disease. My God came to make us whole. He has the power to do it. He heals completely. He heals freely. That woman had given everything she had to these doctors and they hadn't done her any good. She comes to the free clinic and it's not government paid for, praise God. It's run by the great physician and he doesn't need any money. He doesn't need anything from her. He gives her everything. That's the kind of doctor I like. One that makes house calls and doesn't charge anything. And his power to heal is activated by, activated by what? Faith, yes. Everybody could have lived healed. The whole crowd. I don't know how many were there. Could have been 1,000. Could have been 15,000. Could have been 20,000. I don't know. But I do know this. Every one of them could have came to him by faith and been healed. Is there ever a recorded place in your Bible where it says someone came to Jesus by faith and he turned them away. You find it for me and I'll, I'll crown you king or queen. But they're not there. it's not in there. There's never one place in this book that says Jesus turned anybody away that came by faith. He always responds to faith. And the last thing is this, and this is just a natural progression of it too. So we talked about the little girl. We're talking about the woman. She's been healed. But the little girl's already died. Oh, surely it's over now. He can't, he can't do anything about that, right? Death's inevitable. It's inescapable. Jesus has already conquered death. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection. So they come to him. They said, I'm sorry, Jairus. 
your daughter's dead. Don't, don't trouble the Lord anymore. It's, it's over. And what did he say? Because he's omnipresent, because he's omnipotent, and because he's omniscient, he already knows where she's at. That didn't catch him by surprise. Because he's self-existent, because he's timeless, he's not ruled by time, that physical death meant nothing to him. That little girl was in his hands before her death, and that little girl's in his hands now. So he says, uh, he told him, he said, don't listen to them, look at me. Can you imagine getting the news that your, your child is dead like that? Don't, don't worry him anymore. She's dead. Can you imagine how heartbroken he was? Can you imagine what that did to his heart and mind? And he's, I can see him working. And the devil wants to bring despair to you. And he wants to bring all this up before you. And he wants to destroy your faith and he wants to strip you of all hope. And Jesus said, don't, don't listen to them. You look, at, you look at me. Come on, let's go. Let's go to your house. It's not over. Folks, we serve a God that's not frightened by death. He said, don't be afraid. I came to die for you, but I rose again from the dead for you. He's not afraid of death. And he won't be mocked by death. You see what they did? See what they said to him? When he came in the house and they were all weeping and wailing and carrying on. Verse 39, why do you make this ado and weep? She's not dead. She's just sleeping. And what does it say in verse 40? They laughed him to scorn. Well, you know what? He's the omnipotent one. He won't be mocked. The devil may think he's won, but he hasn't. The Lord's in charge. Death is not the final say-so. We think it is, but it's not. Really, death is just the gateway to the eternal presence of God. And if we felt that way about it, it might transform our life down here as we, as we walk with Him, as we serve Him, as we live for Him, we'll realize that death's not really a big deal. I wish I was there. I'm not completely there, but the older I get and the more I walk with the Lord, the more I see it the Lord's way. Death ain't that big a deal. It's the fear of the unknown part. But on the other side, I don't think we're going to look back. I wouldn't want any of my loved ones that have gone on before me to come back. They're in the presence of the Lord. And that's where they're supposed to be. And that's one day, by faith, I'm going to be. And you're going to be. So don't fear death. Jesus wasn't afraid of it. You don't be afraid of it. And through His unfailing love, He raised Him from, he raised him from the dead. He told that young girl, He said, Damsel, I arise. He personally took her by the hand. He's personally taken you and I by the hand. Once we place our faith and trust in Him, you'll never die. This old body will fade away, but you'll live forever. And I like the end of it in verse 43. This is just a little 
tidbit, but why did they put that in there? Every word of God's in there for a reason. He commanded them that something should be given her to eat. You kind of think that would be natural, you know. You had a death experience. Not a near-death experience, but a death experience. You were dead. And Jesus resurrected you. And now, He's like, you better give her something to eat. Don't forget about that. That's just like when... God saved somebody through the labors of this church and through the, the work of an evangelist or the pastor or whoever. Yep, they're saved and, and they're going to heaven, but it's up to the church family to nourish those people. I like that you're doing things with these kids again. If you don't have kids, you don't have a future. If this church stops with you, something's wrong. These kids need nourishment. Feed them. If you don't feed them, they will starve to death. Physically and spiritually. Because the world wants them. The devil wants them. And if you don't feed them the good Word of God, they will go the way of the world. So I want to challenge you this morning. Feed these children. It's good that they know the Lord, and I pray they all do. I pray, that, I pray that's so, but it doesn't stop there. They need nourishment. And that's where you and I come in. Amen?